Welcome back to the Evelyn Pusen Show. It's me, Evelyn, your host. Um, and please do excuse my voice. I am getting over a little bit of a cold. I had a good friend growing up. Her name was Brittany, and she always thought that people's voices when they were having a cold sounded kind of sexy. So maybe for some of you, it's sexy. Um, <laughs> but so good to have you with me today. I have um, Hunter. Hunter Littrell is my guest today. And I have to say, I think this might be my favorite episode that I've recorded so far. Um, and it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Um, he and I uh, go back to middle school and we have, we have stayed connected um, on social media. But just as with anything else, you know, his story is one that I don't know very well um, as far as his trajectory and, and where his life has led him. Um, and he, he would uh, join the military right out of high school. Um, and he would go to Iraq. Uh, we talk about his experience there, um, his experience getting blown up in Iraq, his um, also, he is a wrestling coach for two different high schools, and he is a police officer as well in uh, Kentucky, in southeastern Kentucky. And so, all in all, he um, his heart is just so genuine. And so, you'll hear me talk about it in the interview, but I just kept like tearing up. <laughs> and because I think that this is the kind of leadership and the kind of love that we need in each and every one of us. And when we really tap into um, the gifts that we have and, and leaning into the desires on our heart to serve and love people well, um, communities are changed. And so it's just very much in line with my own heart. And um, it's just been such a treat to reconnect with him and to share his story with you. Um, I hope that you are touched by it the way that I was. So let's hop into the episode. Welcome back to the show. I have Hunter on with me and Hunter and I actually grew up together and we haven't talked to each other in a really long time. Um, we've stayed connected on um, Facebook for the most part, um, but Hunter was one of the most funny friends I've ever had. So welcome to the show, Hunter. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, because I know, I feel like I know, but just for everyone else too, tell me everything you're kind of involved in and, and what you're working on right now. Okay. Well, um, right now I've, uh, I'm working as a police officer in Southeastern Kentucky. I'm also a head wrestling coach for two high schools and that is, uh, both women's and men's team. I'm, um, see, I was in the armed service. I was in the army for six years right after high school. Um, and that's kind of what led me into what I'm doing now. Yeah. I've got, yeah, three kids, um, stay pretty busy. Yeah. How, old, how old are your kids, Hunter? I've got an 11, nine and a five-year-old. She's about to be six. Out of all of it, you know, I get a, a little girl and it's like so different. The youngest is a girl. I'm like, where did this come from? But, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> nobody else in the family had girls and then here she comes and she's more fierce than any of them so it cracks oh. me up oh I love that what um what have you found to be one of the biggest differences in parenting boys and girls um that boys at a younger age aren't as rough as girls <laughs> Girls are just as they're rough. They're they want to get into everything. They have no fear. And boys, it's completely different, completely different than what I thought it would be. <laughs> you thought it was going to be rainbows and butterflies and tea party. Yeah, yeah, and and, and unicorns and <laughs> Barbie dolls and you know, I'm having to get her from swinging out of trees and jumping off porches. I'm like, you're five. You're not, you're, you're not a stunt double. <laughs> well, some of that could come down to being the last two and, and watching some of her brothers too, as well. Oh, I, I guarantee. And probably being, you know, the offspring of me. That, yeah. that be, <laughs> she's, she's the one I don't have to worry about. She'll, she'll take care of herself forever, oh. I think. I love that. I love that. And so you wrestled too. So you rest, you're a wrestling coach now, but you wrestled. Um, how old were you when you started wrestling? I think we would have been in about sixth grade. Um, and then that's when South Oldham had really been a really, really good school for wrestling. And I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know anything about it. I was walking down the hallway. I remember Steve Pfizer and Coach Valentine walking down. Steve pointed his finger at me and said, you're coming to practice 4.30 today. And I said, okay. <laughs> I didn't even know what practice I was going to. So I show up to a gym and uh, it was, I fell in love from then. I made a lot of friends that I still see to this day. I learned a lot about life in that little room, especially with work and being in the Army. And I never thought that wrestling would have changed my life the way it did but it definitely did <laughs> tell me some about what you started learning early on because of wrestling and wrestling's a sport I don't really know much about personally so and that's kind of like unless you're in it and you're around it a lot of people don't understand it and that's kind of the beauty of it is it's such a pure sport that when people really start to get into it they, they fall in love with it they're, it's just amazing. Um, it's different than basketball and football and baseball and even your individual sports as far as like swimming and tennis and things like that. You've got one person that is standing in front of another person that wants it just as much as you do and everything and all the time and all the, all the blood, sweat and tears that you put into it. It's who wants it more. I mean, that guy probably knows just what you know or girl, or woman, it doesn't matter, uh, and there you are, your toes on the line, and it's who wants it more, and what are you going to do to get it, and I tell my kids that, you know, it's not about wins and losses, yeah, it's great to get your hand raised at the end when you win, but you can learn a lot more about yourself, and the sport, and just every aspect you can think of when you when you're losing when they're when you don't get your hand raised you know um I always tell my kids you know you can learn more climbing up the mountain than you can sitting on top of it mm -hmm. and that's what my kids have really um 
bought into that and were really, really successful. I, um, when they come in and they, they start, I tell every one of them, I'm going to love you all different because every kid needs to be loved different. If I just did a cookie cutter, this is how it is. And I'm going to treat you all the same. Then we wouldn't get anything out of anybody. Cause my main goal is not to make championship wrestlers because that will come. But my main goal is to make every kid that comes in that room, a better version of themselves every day every day not just in the long run every day what how can you be better today than you were yesterday not just with skill I mean handling adversity facing your fears you know all that it it just it's a complete package I love that so much who modeled (laughs) that for you who who (laughs) impressed that upon you or is that something that you feel like you've always kind of been carrying with you um, I feel like that I learned it, but I didn't learn it from just specific people. You know, I had good coaches. I had good friends. Um, my parents have always um, had me involved in church, even younger days when I didn't want to be, you know, and uh, they dragged me to church. And, and it was always something, a little tidbit here and there when I'd go and I think collectively and, and putting it all together and, and, and failing, I think in failing a lot has made me realize and understand that concept and, and what I'm trying to instill to, because, you know, we live in a world where our youth's in trouble. Uh, they're in trouble mentally and, and socially and economically. And, and I, I, they know they're going to fail at one point in life, but they've got to keep going. And, I think me and my struggles, I can reflect that on them. And, and I've got good coaches that can do the same thing. So it's really beautiful. I wonder too, what's been one of your most favorite failures? Oh, I'd say, I don't know. Because when I sit there and I think about, okay, I failed at this and I failed at that did I really fail? Because I don't think I did. And I'm still going. And um, I learned. And what I thought it was a failure at one time, ended up being either a blessing or a very good lesson that I learned. And there's so many, I mean, and it's, if I take life and I look at it in a big picture, then I'm not going to get anything done if I look at just an overall picture of everything, nothing will ever get done in my life. So I have to go every day and look at the small victories and the small tribulations and everything that I need in a small scale. And that builds it up. And later on, I can reflect on it and say, Oh, well, you know, I thought I was doing really bad and it ended up that, man, this was way better outcome than I ever thought. So, you know, and, and I think failures are different than mistakes. We make mistakes. And um, a mistake is, especially if it's a, a preconceived mistake, you know, like I've already thought about this and it's just wrong. Well, I just learned that it was wrong. And um, trust me, I've done a lot of things that I wish I'd have done different, done stupid things, but they were all either careless reckless or whatever but I learned from it and and I moved on from it so yeah 
I think, I think I have come to kind of feel that, like, I don't even really like the word failure. So I was interested to see what you would say, because I think that the only way we can fail is if we stop trying, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So it's all useful. It's all. And even I like to bringing up the preconceived, the preconceived mistake where we're like, Mm, I know this is probably not the right way to go about it, but I'm going to have to find out like for yeah, exactly, exactly you know, right. Try it out and see. And, um, and you see that with kids too. You see that in it's, it's all part of learning. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like touching the stove, you know, you're not supposed to, but you gotta know it hurts. You yeah. know, like I've got to touch this stove just to make sure they're not lying, you know? And, and then you touch it. Oh, they weren't lying. That hurts. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. yep. I, I know the fire behind it. So I love that. And I, um, I wonder too, yeah, you have a lot of irons in the fire. So what led you to, um, to the service too? What, what led you there? Uh, you know, my dad was a lieutenant colonel. My brother was uh, an infantry guy. And um, I was just at a point in my life where I didn't really want to go to college at that time, even though I could have played multiple sports um, and was, you know, told you, you know, you need to play sports. And, and, and I felt like that time would come and it has. Um, but at the time, I, I really thought, OK, I'm bored, number one. And there's a war going on. Everybody else is doing it. And I would hate to go through the rest of my life and say, oh, man, um, I almost did that. I almost I almost went over there and, and I knew I was going to get deployed and I knew I was going to be able to do a lot of cool stuff. And and so I, I it was just a decision that I just and I always was fascinated with the army and, and soldiers and the and and that kind of mentality and and I thought you know what I'm, I'm gonna do it early because I know my body will hurt later on I see how my dad is so I'm gonna get this knocked out and I went to uh Iraq well it was funny the first two years I was in I, I was in Texas and then I went to the National Guard and I'm sitting there thinking there's a whole war going on and I haven't deployed once like what's going on like why am I not getting picked up for any of this and then I was so funny story, I went to go, I was going to go play football and finish college while in the National Guard and go to the summer camp and get a letter that says, hey, you're deploying. I'm like, oh, well, obviously this isn't what God wants me to do is go to school right now. So I'll, uh, I'm ready. And I went to Iraq and I got blown up and got uh, medically retired at an early age. Um, and I, I miss it, but I had such a good time. I made such, a lot of friends. I learned a lot of skills that, um, especially being a medic, that I was able to take over and translate to all my jobs and all my life. And it's, it was such a blessing. A lot of people would say, oh, you know, I was in this hard fight or whatever you want to call it. And, and, and I get that. But I really used it as a tool and uh, an avenue to to make myself better, really. Well, and I'm curious too, what 
what do you think some people have misconceptions about the military or war or the entire concept of that? What do you think? I think people are so, um, I think they're so confused on what being, um, being a, just contributing back to society. I think people are confused on how they can do that. And when someone's not able to, or physically or emotionally or, or whatever the case may be, they don't understand that other person's standpoint or where they stand and how they're putting it together. You know, you've got doctors and, and lawyers and, and, and high figure jobs that they just, some of them don't understand that, you know, some other people have their civic duty in other ways. And um, when you raise your right hand, you swear to defend your country, you know, foreign and domestic, then you've got your civic duty no matter where it tells you to go. And if you just do your job, take care of your brothers and, and don't think too much on the political side of it, then, you know, you're you're going to be all right and you'll, you'll be fulfilled. Um, and times are different than it was in Vietnam. You know, you had nowadays, we've got a lot of veteran support and a lot of people that, um, were growing up in that area or seeing their fathers and grandfathers go through it and, and don't want that to happen to the troops now. So I think, it's not as bad as it was, but there's always that other side that says we shouldn't be fighting a war. And, and, and the case may be that I don't know um, whether we should be there or not. doesn't really matter to me. I've got a job to do. And, and that's what I was giving back to my country for, because I love America. <laughs> so. Well, I'm really grateful for you and for your service and actually listening to you talk I realized the last time I saw you was right before your deployment. Yes, you came and told me. I got a picture of us together. Yes. It was so awesome. That was yes. great. I uh, had one of my best friends in college. His name was Eric. Yeah, Landon. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was there with me. He was a medic also. Yes. So I got to see you there too. I Because yep. I actually, that same, I was studying abroad in the fall. So I wasn't so far. I was in Italy. And so we were closer to being on the same time zone because he and I talked almost every day. Yeah. So. He was in a different company than me. So he had, I was very, very busy. <laughs> it was my, my company was very busy. Yeah. I, he, uh, and maybe you can relate to this, but he was, I always have a lot of questions, Hunter, and I always want to know things that I can't know. And so he he got to using this line. Um, I can't tell you because it's OPSEC. Like yeah. all the time, it's OPSEC, which means like, does that mean operational security? Yeah, yeah, that's what that means. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and it was bad because we were during the drawdown. So like everybody was leaving except for us. So we never knew where we were going to go and we never knew where we were going to be. And, and us as medics, they attached us to everybody. I mean, it didn't matter if you were with one person or not. They're like, Hey, we need medics come with us and we'd go with them. So a lot of times we, we probably didn't know. <laughs> and, you know, like, I don't really know where I'm at. I see sand buildings and mountains in the background, you know, like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm just a medic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I would imagine was some of that kind of exciting? Like, 
Oh yeah. I, because I thrive off of novelty. So like, I, I'm like, that would be so interesting. I feel like I never know where I am anyway. I have a really horrible sense of direction, but when I'm not in charge and I just get to like, Hey, this is cool. Yeah, that's how I was the whole time. The whole time I was over there, I was like a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> a tourist like that had to protect himself. Yes, yes. And and uh, when you say you were blown up, like what happened? So I was in one of the biggest um, a complex attacks is what they called it. Um, and my vehicle ended up getting hit with two 57 millimeter rockets. Um, now... It was, it was, it was intense. And um, when I got done, you know, I had some um, scarring and some wounds and everybody in my truck ended up surviving. But um, the rockets that actually penetrated the, the vehicle, nobody should have lived. And I've said this over and over again, but um it was like a week after I was out of the hospital and I was going to the motor pool to get some stuff out of the truck. And some EOD guys were there taking pictures and, and um, just kind of assessing the damage. And they looked at me, there was nobody else around. They looked at me and actually there was my um, convoy commander was with me and they said, how many people died in here? I said, none. He said, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way. I said, no, I promise, we're all alive. I said, the other three are eating dinner right now. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I can't believe this. But I remember um, when that, the blast first started, and I'm sitting there, and I could just, I knew I was going to be okay. Everything was, there was something, and, and I know what it was. It was God. I mean, he literally put his, you know, armor around us, and and none of us got None of, us, none of us died when we all should have. And it reminds me every time of the Bible story of, um, I always say their names wrong, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, where they get thrown in the fire for, mm. you know, and they look down, there's a fourth person in the, in the fire, and it's, you know, God's protecting them. And that's what it felt like, honestly. That is what it felt like. I'll never be able to explain it truly how it was. Um, and I was the only one awake in the vehicle at the time so it was very weird experience mm -hmm. but it was a good one in the same time it was, it was so mixed of emotions through the whole thing yeah and, uh, I ended up we ended up having to finish out the deployment there and when I got back that's when they kind of assessed us for all our injuries and next thing you know I was uh, I ETSed out with a um uh, I did a VA and a uh, like a medical mix compensation thing. So what does what does ETS mean? Enlisted time and service. So it's like if you sign up for six years, you're going to be in there for six years. So I did two and four. So that's kind of yeah, that's what I finished out that time, and then I was done. And once I got all my ratings and all my disability stuff for it that you can't be in, in I couldn't re-enlist mm. so at the time I had a buddy that they were there was a police department that was needing police officers at home back at home he's like you should try it you should try I was like I don't know you know I kind of wanted to do some other stuff and 
And I was like, okay, I'll do it for a little while. And here I am 10 years later, still doing it. So yeah. well, tell me about that too. What's law enforcement been like? Like uh, what is that journey? I, it is, you know, on the world scale, it's been insane. Mm from one way to another what are rules that are changing what is this happening what's that happening and and um now it's like I'm pretty blessed because I'm in a small town I've been in small towns um is it's just as dangerous as anywhere else but you kind of get a report with people and you get to you know you, you get familiar with people and it, and it becomes more of a there's a more of a Mayberry underlying to it and more of a real connection with people than there, I would think, I would imagine being in a big city or, or something like that. So it's got to, it's ups and downs. Um, it's a hard job. It's hard hours. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice you got to put into it, but, um, it's been fulfilling. I'm glad the time that I've had on it. Um, so well, I would imagine too, like you're talking about the Mayberry feel, maybe it's the trust you built those relationships and there's more you do. Trust. Yeah, you do. And, and you deal with one person and they might be at their worst just because you're dealing with somebody um, doesn't mean that that person's bad or that person's. And that's one thing that like new law enforcement officers need to realize is you don't most of the time you deal with somebody on their worst day. That's the worst day they're ever having because they've had to call the police. So something's happened that they've had to call you and when, or, you know, they didn't call you and it might be a wreck or a fire or whatever. And, and you're there, but that day is still bad for people and their, their emotions are so high and they're, and, and they're, when your emotions run so high, you don't think clearly. So you've got to step back and remember, okay, I'm dealing with this person in one of their struggles even though I'm not, this is everyday life for me. I've got to kind of put myself in a similar situation or a similar feeling as them so I can relate better. And I think once you do that, you start to build trust and you start to build um, what they call the community oriented policing. But when you're in a small town, everything's community oriented. It's all, you know what I mean? You don't have to, you, you automatically get thrown into it without even building it up. Um, it's not a big city, so you're not dealing with people you don't know. I mean, every once in a while you see somebody you never met, but for the most part, and the most part of the job, you've got to remember the people I'm dealing with and people I'm seeing right now, when I'm called to their house or their accident or, or whatever, they're not having a good time. You know, it's not a, it's not the best time for them. And, um, you've got to realize and understand that people, everybody has feelings. They just might deal with them different than you do and and being a police officer you become a a law enforcement agent or you become a therapist a social worker all of it in one without ever knowing that you were going to do that so you've kind of got to relate and and build it for them more than yourself because if you don't then you're not going to make it very long yeah um what's been one of your favorite lessons you've learned in that role um, so as a police officer, one of the, my favorite lessons, I guess I would, I would have learned it is kind of piggybacking off that when 
I see such a, a especially in my area, um, the drug epidemic. I mean, that was that's been here for a while now, and it's it's hard, and people are struggling. But then you get other people that that don't understand, don't talk to these people, don't see these people, and they're like, they're like, I I can't. Um, I hate seeing these people just walk around like, you know, and, and they make snood comments and, and stuff. And it, 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 at first, you know, I, I felt like, okay, police officer, I got to clean up the streets. I got to do this. I got to get off. Well, over time, I realized that every time I drive by somebody that's struggling and, and whether it's homeless or, or addicted to something and, and that's caused their lifestyle, I'm not cleaning up the streets if I just put them in jail. These people need help some way, somehow. And sometimes it's just taking them by and getting something to eat. And sometimes the other things is just stopping and talking to them and just relating to them as a, as a human being because they're human beings. And until everybody realizes that the person you see begging for change on the side of the road is a human being also. Don't have to roll up your windows and lock your doors every time. Sometimes it's just nice, even if you don't have change to give, sometimes they just want to hear, hey, hope you're doing good today. And they go about your day. That can change a life because depression is real. People's emotions are real. How they feel is real. And sometimes that could save their life one day and that could just make their day better and give them when they're cold and hungry and tired, that can give them something to push on because I mean, I work night shift. And not a lot of people are awake during the night. So I really try and stop and talk to everybody. Um, if Whether the president came through, I'd talk to him. And if it was a beggar at the bottom, I'd talk to him. I don't care. They're the same to me. Mm. And, and a lot of people don't like that I think that way because for some reason they feel like they should hold a higher status, but I really don't care. If I'm going to talk to you the same way I'm going to talk to this other person and and that's the best that lesson that I've learned is everybody's human everybody has a life to live and you can build people up a little at a time here and there and just build them up and it makes your life a lot better it makes it a lot easier makes it a lot better makes it a lot more fulfilling and um that's what I've really tried to do in the last few years is just go out find somebody have a conversation with them and then go about my day because that changes that changes your mood changes their mood it changes the atmosphere and I do it even when I'm not working I'll just find somebody I'll be like hey you know how are you and oh good you know like and you can tell sometimes they're like do I know this guy and I'm thinking like, no, you don't know me. Yeah, but I, I'm glad your day's good, you know? <laughs> you have such a genuine heart. I love that. You're, the kids that you coach are also lucky that you are in their life pouring into them the way that you are. I really, that's been, out of everything I've done, I never thought that coaching a bunch of high school and some middle school kids, that that would be, my what makes me the happiest and it does and it's because I've seen kids that were on the edge of that of that mountain and and once they jumped off there's no climbing back up it and we've stopped them and we're like hey you gotta redirect the other way there's another mountain behind you climb it first you know and and 
I've seen kids that, and I've had people come up to me like, oh, I can't believe you're letting him wrestle or letting him on your team. He's not going to do anything. And then in the last couple of years, I've had ones that go to a major college and are getting straight A's. And at the time they came, they weren't even going to graduate high school. You know, I'm like, that's why. That's why. I'm not, I don't care about athletes. I don't, I don't care. I, I'll teach you what you need to know in wrestling, but and you'll succeed at that. But I'm gonna, we're going to build you first. And that's been my favorite. Last three years have been just amazing watching these kids develop and grow. And tell me what that means, building like a human. What is your, how do you do that? Um, so I think a lot of the time that people get desensitized to other people's um, struggles and you know, they have their own struggles. And, and when, especially in school systems, when you have a um, kid who's not conforming to the, and I was one of these kids, 100% that just did not conform to high school well. Okay, you know, I didn't, and the teachers, they have deadlines, they have grades they have to put in, they have tests that, that are mandated on them. So I think when they start thinking so much into the test and the curriculum and what am I building, they get they stray away from developing people, mm. especially people that young people who have no other guidance anywhere else. And they, it gets down to, well, you're not showing up to school every day. Okay. Why aren't you sh showing up to school every day? Let's figure out that first. Cause obviously there's a problem and you know, you, you kids get abused. Kids go hungry. Kids have to go and, for themselves and if you don't get down to those bottom basics of their life and figure out okay what's the struggle and how can we make it better then your goals or the teacher's goals or the other people's goals are never going to be met by those kids because they've never found the source of the problem and um that's that's what we what i try and do is let's find how we can overcome your obstacles because once we do that, you can start finding success in other things. And not everybody's going to be a, a rocket scientist. I understand that. Um, and not everybody's built for college. But if you're born into the thought of failure and born into what people think is failure, then why would you, what, what ambition do you have to get any better at anything? So we got to find that. We got to find what the kids like and what they want to do. And, and it's just been great watching them find stuff. And, and some of it's not even wrestling. They're just there because they feel welcomed and loved. And, and, and I'm okay with that. So come on, you know, let's, let's do this together. We're in it together and we're a big family and, and it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. I don't know if you can see it, but I keep crying. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's okay <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's so true um and what you're talking about hunter i see uh, like in such a like expanded view i guess for the world as a whole um just how humans right now are so hungry for presence and for um sitting with another human being and and seeing them 
where they are and and then also instead of going well this is where you should be or this is um you know this is where you're messing up you're going hey how'd you get here like what's going on you know how how are you how yeah, are you really right yeah exactly like it, i just feel like um a lot of the time we get and and i i'm guilty of it too is we get into this um kind of like assembly line of life where you go to school you go to work you go to do this you go do that and then at the end of the day you're just sitting there and then you go to sleep and then you repeat and I just I, I don't like it I don't like when I see that in in other people because whatever you if you think you've reached your max potential you're wrong and there's always something else you can do better and something you can do for other people and um you know, I'm not saying that there aren't times that I get angry and upset because I do, because I'm human and it's okay. But I, I don't want to live my life going to work, waking up, eating dinner, watching TV show and going to sleep. I enjoy TV. I enjoy my movies, but I want to, I want to make sure in the process of in between all of those things, there's something I'm doing to make the world just a little better, even if it's just my world. I don't, even if it's mine and that as selfish as that may be, I don't care. Um, as long as I'm feeling like I'm doing something different and better and it, it's just in the little circle or bubble that I see, I'm okay with that because someone else's bubble is going to overlap mine. And then their bubble's going to overlap somebody else's. And then eventually it'll get to that bigger picture. Uh, yeah. And, and when we, and when we do take care of the things at home, when we do give attention to our own brokenness and the brokenness here, um, and then we heal those parts, right. That healing gets to move outward too. Yes. Yes, that, Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad you, I'm glad you get what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I, I totally do. I feel very, uh, a lot of resonance with everything that you're saying. It's probably why I keep crying. Cause I'm like, yes, like that's my heart too. And, and so I, um, I appreciate the different ways that you are investing your life, um, because they matter and they're important. And, um, and I, I love to, you know, before we, before we even hopped on here today, something you said to, you wanted to talk about was like women in wrestling. And oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to know some more about that too. So tell okay. me about that. So I have always been a sports guy in, in the way of I've enjoyed sports. I've enjoyed watching them. I've never been one to watch like Sunday football, Sunday night football or Monday. I don't even Saturdays, whatever. That that's never been me. I've always found other things to do. I, now I might keep up with it or or catch a piece here and there, but I never like schedule my whole day around um, a sporting event that I'm not directly involved with. But um, I was talking to someone when I first took the job, and they're like, you know, women's wrestling is going to be really big, and um, I remember there was one girl that wrestled when we were in school, two, two. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm used to it. I, it's fine. And I get these 
girls that come in to my to try out practice and I'm like all right you know none of them were some of them were athletic some weren't and I was just like okay I don't know how this is gonna go and I started seeing a change in some of the girls especially the ones that didn't have a any self-esteem or any kind of of I really don't even like um, just confidence, you know, I didn't see it. They didn't have it when they came in and I started seeing this change and I was like, Whoa, this is way bigger than me here. Like this is way bigger than them. They don't understand that this has just changed a lot of people's thinking of how women, especially in Southeastern Kentucky is very, very, you know, still outdated a little bit as far as, as some of the things that, um, how women are, I guess, perceived, but I started seeing this change and they started doing other things and they started becoming more social and more active and, and, you know, kind of like one of the guys, but not one of the guys. Cause you know what I mean? And it was awesome. And I was like, okay, I really need to sit back and think what I'm going to do as far as how this goes. So same thing as everybody else, you know, we're going to build you, we're going to build um, um, everybody, you know, build you as an individual. So last year, we ended up finishing third in the state, and I had seven state placers out of seven girls. And I was like, oh, yeah. And like, the best part about it was that some of those girls, they, they never did anything, never played any sports, were never part of anything. And I had this one, she was just a little ball of fire. And she had done some other sports and other things like that, but never anything major. And I remember the, the first match of ever, the whole school came in, they were watching, they were cheering. And, and here's this little girl who hadn't done anything, um, never had anybody watch her as far as sports goes and things like that. And the whole school was chanting her name. Mm-hmm. And two days prior to that, nobody even knew her name. And then now here's the whole school and you could see the look and, and the, the, the confidence immediately just build up in her. And, and that was one of the happiest moments that I've, I've had, but I, I tell my girls this, okay, it's a little different than the boys because whether you wrestle in college, which most of them are now or not, you're, de- you're finding skills that if, anything ever happens to you or anything anybody ever tries to take advantage of you you've got enough to fight fend off and get away and right there could save a life and and it's just been a beautiful beautiful thing as far as women's wrestling goes and and it's such a growing sport and you see all these powerful and women with all these stories that that are on the professional level and and on the high school and college level and and it's just so it's 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 inspiring because number one nobody thought especially here oh girls can't wrestle you know girls can't wrestle no boy blah 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 blah. and you just watch if you got 30 minutes you come down and watch you know (laughs) and they do and they're like where are these women learning that they've had it the whole time you just gotta guide them you know don't don't think just because there's a it's a woman that's doing something that it's any different than a boy and it it just drives me crazy 
when I see people treating it like it's some kind of taboo, it's not, it's beautiful. Mm. It's, it's amazing that a, a girl is standing up against all odds and saying, you know what, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do it too. Cause I'm not scared. I'm not scared of them. And that is changing so much right now here on the outside looking in when you have people on the outside looking in saying that, okay, these girls are doing whatever they want to. They're fearless. I can't, you know, I'm changing a culture that should have been changed forever ago. Should have never happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the girls that I've got, the girls that have come and wrestled for me, they're, they're such a role model to so many different people that they don't even understand. Um, I saw this one girl, um, she tried out for the football team. And she was a kicker and she did really good. Well, last one of the last games I got to watch. Um, and she's a state placer. She's going to college to wrestle and she just wanted to do football her senior year. So she did it. And that was one of the things, you know, she built the confidence to do it that nobody else. So she was the first girl in, in uh, I think state history to score uh, points for um that what you know in football so last game of the season this big old kid um he's probably six four 250 plus pounds blocks one of her field goals and pushes and she doesn't back down she gets right up in his face and starts driving him back you know like push her push her push her and they call flags everywhere you know personal foul they're fighting and, and you know all the boys that were on the wrestling team that played football with her go up to her and they're like they're right there with her and she's pushing them away to get back at them and this girl is not violent at all so she gets done I'm talking to her after the game she's like I just feel bad I shouldn't have done that I said no I said you you that boy right there was a bully and there was a little girl or a mother or a wife or somebody sitting in those stands that has never seen a woman defend herself ever and they saw you at five foot four to 126 pounds stand up to one of the biggest kids on the other side of the team and say, I'm not backing down from you. I'm going to do what I have to do to show you. I'm not scared of you. I said, and right then and there you show there was somebody watching, whether it was on our side, their side, it doesn't matter that someday when in their life, whether they're in a relationship with somebody or they're in a bad relationship with somebody or they're walking down the alley and get mugged that they know they can be fearless too, that they know that they can stand up and have the David and Goliath mentality that I'm coming after you. It doesn't matter how big you are. And, and it was, it was awesome. And she, which, you know, she doesn't understand that at the time and she will one day. And she was like, yeah, I guess so. And then, you know, and it's like, you'll understand, you know, she's smart enough to get it. But at the time, I think it's all a process for them. They can sit back later and reflect. I love that. But I love too, that you're reflecting that to her. I think, I think that that's really powerful for all of us to continue considering and calling that out when we see that in each other, like, that was a big deal. Like yeah. you, you're making an impact living your yeah. life like that. And, and, and when you analyze those things and you look back and you say, and you, and you look at the probabilities of everything, the positive po- probabilities of everything, 
you know, here she is thinking she messed up because she got a flag thrown on her. I'm like, no, no. Remember that there was somebody watching that saw something positive. Yes, should you have done it? Maybe not. I don't know. Who cares? It happened. Did you get a flag, a penalty? Yeah, that, that happens. That's a repercussion of your actions. That's okay. But you made a statement and you made, you showed some little girl or somebody that was looking up to you that lit, I know there is women and girls that came to watch her kick because it's never been seen before. So not only that in itself, is you didn't go out there and just get scared when somebody started pushing you around. You stood up, stood your ground and protected yourself and you made an example for everybody yeah. everybody and even the boys even the boys to know how wrong that is to do and how how stupid you look and how bad you look and 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 to do that and then you're like a, a you know like a dog bites at a cat and then it scratches it you know that's and it runs away that's what he did yeah. and I was, you want to you don't want to be put in that situation and yeah well, and it sounds to me like you are building um, a more inclusive, a more loving place for your own fierce little girl. Oh, yeah. Well, and she looks up to those girls. Oh, my goodness. It's like her sisters. Oh, where, where's so-and-so at? Where's so-and-so at? And I'm like, they're coming, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, um, there's a great book if you haven't read it called David and Goliath. I was actually thinking about it as you were talking about the story. It's written by Malcolm Gladwell. Have you read it? No. It's a great one. I think you'd really like it. And if you're not a reader, um, you can get it on Audible. But he goes through and documents different stories about um, the way that a story looks. It can seem like the underdog is the underdog. But when you actually look at the backside, of what's actually going on, you see so much strength. And so I'm gonna give a little bit of a spoiler, but he talks about, he breaks down even David and Goliath in the scripture. And he, you know, we always see this, we see Goliath, this huge giant coming up against this shepherd boy. And something he points out is even in scripture, what, what they think when they studied at Bible scholars, um, when Goliath comes out onto the field, he had to be led by attendants. And he said, who am I that you, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks, plural. These things kind of point indicate to the fact that he might've had like a tumor on his brain, which could have been part of why he grew to be a giant. And so his field of vision, because he said plural sticks as a shepherd, David would only have one stick. So it could have also meant that he had double vision and he couldn't have very, like, you'd have to be brought to him in order to win. So David, not only was he coming out to as a shepherd, but he had been trained in the army and they, in the army, then they would have slingers like, um, who were trained to sling stones and like expert stones. They could shoot like birds out of the air. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. when David's coming onto this field, you're looking at it and you're like, there's no way he can win, but you don't know how David also had to come up against as a shepherd to protect his sheep from animals and the fierceness that comes with that too. Um, but when David's shot that stone, that stone would have hit Goliath like a bullet from a gun. 
that's how much intensity it would have had behind it. So when you look at like the backstory and you're going, wow, like this is how it looked. But we look at on the backside and, and see all the preparation of what that battle actually looked like. It's kind of cool to consider. So mm-hmm. I so the whole book is got different stories around um, David and Goliath stories that look like that. There's one about, there was one about the specific little town and I can't remember it or do it justice, but it, was, it had to do with the Holocaust and this little town with no money. They basically stood up to the Germans and saved a lot of people and they didn't have any, like they had no weapons, nothing. So it's definitely worth reading. It's fantastic. So, um, but send me send me that book on on our message, and I'll I'll definitely listen. I I do like to read. I absolutely will. I love to read, and so um, but that's been one of my favorite books because it it, it just um, it goes to show how many things are going on at play in life that that we don't know what's going on. We don't know who's being influenced or impacted by us standing our ground or even exactly. taking that step and, and, and growing more into that confidence. I love to, um, I hadn't even considered even the geography and what's going on with growing a female wrestling team and representation that matters. It reminded me too, when I saw um, Wonder Woman, I cried. She's in like a battle scene. And I cried because I was like, I've never seen a woman who's been shown in a movie like this, who has grace and strength and honor all in those things, who's defending justice, but is doing it with love. And right. so it was very powerful for me because I was like, oh my God, like this is so like touching um, because to me, it was something I had never seen before as a woman. So um, it's powerful. I love it. I love it. And then too, I mean, for me, when, when I, it's, it's interesting because something that I've also been walking through, um, well, it started in my early twenties, but I felt, I started to feel called into ministry, but to pastor and growing up in the Baptist church, that was not something that I was told I could do. In fact, I spent a lot of my life um, early on when I was young, wishing that I was like, more meek, like more like a biblical woman, because I would see, you know, these girls who were tiny, tender, and I'm like, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I've got so much going on here. Like, and so I tried to like tamp it down, you know, at times to like, be like, mm, like, nobody's going to understand this. And that was one of my first thoughts when I was feeling called into ministry was like no one's gonna want to listen to you um you're a woman like first of all (laughs) and and then also they're not going to want to be challenged by a strong woman you know like it's okay to be over here in the corner but to go out there and do that um thankfully that's not how I feel anymore I feel like (laughs) because the world needs the world needs strong women yes well we need strong women and men well, I think- I'll tell you that, and this is how I think strong women make strong men. Mm. I think I think um, you can't have one without the other, really. So yeah. I think that's one thing that's hurt society as a whole is we don't have both. 
um, and they don't, they, they have to feed off of each other and they have to, they have to see, and everybody's got their own strengths and everybody's got their own weaknesses. And if your strengths can help somebody else's weaknesses, I promise you their strengths can help your weaknesses. And, and that's how you build people in a community and, uh, um, you know, you can outweigh each other for success. So and, and you got to let your pride go a little bit too. You know, you got, you can't say, um, okay, I think I'm really good at this. And then someone does it better. And you're like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? You can't do that. Like you can't shun somebody because they're better at you. And I think that's a big problem. And it goes back to thinking about people's that term failure. They think because somebody did it better than them that they failed at it. No, you just, somebody just set the bar that you need to go and, and achieve. You, they just showed you how to get there. Now, now showed you what it's like to be there. Now go get it, you know, go, go make that a strength now. Mm. Well, I don't know if you've considered this Hunter, but maybe next on the docket should be politics for you. And no, I only, <laughs> no, no, no. I no. only say that because I see so much leadership and a desire in you to, um, and it's not to say that you aren't, aren't doing that where, right where you are. I just like, I want some of that for all of our leadership. Like that is something that I think is missing uh, in so many arenas, but especially in the political world. Um, so anyway, just something to like, Sit with you can sit with it <laughs> maybe after maybe after i go to school see i've not i've not done any college yet so that's my next goal that i'm gonna tackle yeah i'm not yeah so well what would you like to like pursue in that in that way I'd probably probably do some history I, i'm i'm pretty big into history i think you everybody says you can learn from the past but i, I think it's more than that i've i've learned a lot by looking back at major events or major time periods and said like okay I can relate a lot of life into even the smaller things of it you know and and I think that it would be a good good thing that I'll probably do yeah do you have a timeline on that or is that just something no like just whenever just yeah. whenever yeah well I love that well, I have loved this conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add or? No, I'm just so glad I got to talk to you. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been, like I said, I've, um, I've just been crying over here um, in a good way, like in a, in a really, <laughs> in a really good way. Um, and I really just appreciate you and your heart and the way that you're investing your life because it does matter and it has uh, great implications for the future, not only your own children, but the children that you are pouring into and the community that you're seeking to love. And it's powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being part of this community and for being here with me. It means the world. It really does. Um, if there's somebody else that needs to be in this conversation, please share this with them. 
Um, I would love to continue growing this community. And also, if you have just a quick two or three minutes, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing a review um, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You know, a lot of times we're making decisions about where to invest our time and our money and our resources, and we check out reviews uh, to make decisions on where we're going to invest our life. So if this has been something to your life, um, which I'm so glad that it does, I would love for you to leave a review and share this podcast with your community so that we can continue to grow um, in knowledge and love with one another. So until next time. 